talk already, so uh, we can start. Uh, first of all, I would like to make a couple of announcements. The first being that uh, if you can hear me or you can't hear me, please chat in the chat box so I get an idea what is happening. Um, you can hear me also, we indulge you to please, um, when you join the session, please put off your mics if you're not talking uh, in the session. Put off your mics so that we don't hear the background noise around you. <clears throat> this is the Itzinia NISOL training. Um, workshop that we normally organize for entrepreneurs who intend to <clears throat> apply for the NISA loan. Um, I would start this morning by introducing myself. Uh, my names are uh, Manpan Joseph Wungaka. I'm from Plateau State, Nigeria. Um, I work at the moment with Itzinia as the um, Chief Executive Officer of Itzinia Nigeria. Um, I am a certified uh, international business mentor and coach. Uh, I've been working at this and business for over 20 years now. I, my primary areas of uh, interest are innovation and sustainability. Um, I also run a farm uh, on the outskirts of Abuja. It is a farm where we grow vegetables uh, in greenhouses and net houses and sell to the urban uh, dwellers in Abuja. Um, I have many other interests and passion, but the biggest passion uh, that I have is seeing entrepreneurs achieve their goals and um, aspirations. So I work most of the times as a, a business coach and mentor. Um, let me take a moment to also introduce you to Itzinia. Um, Itzinia is, Hold on. Just a minute. I need to sort out things. Okay. So as I said, Itzinia is an international uh, entrepreneurship development organization uh, founded originally uh, from Sweden. And um, we operate locally as a, uh, as a partner for the international uh, organization. We have a license to run our programs in Nigeria. We also uh, have operated since 2016. 
we have helped over 115 entrepreneurs to start businesses and we have over 70 startups up and running today in diverse industry uh, industries in Nigeria. Our key areas of operation are from the startup to the maturity level of business. And so we work with startups as well as uh, companies that are scaling. Uh, and even matured companies. So um, basically for startups, what we help them to accomplish is to be able to identify who their customers are, uh, what value they can offer to their customers and how they can build a sustainable business model that they can use to take their ideas to the market. Uh, at the other level, uh, which is the growth level, we run accelerators that help uh, our businesses build an attractive business uh, with profitable operations, as well as a strong organization that has lasting customer relations. Then at the leadership level, we build a value foundation where we build business leaders into facilitators, mentors, and business coaches so that they can give back to the system or to the process that uh, brought them up. So in a way we run a secular economy at Etsinia whereby our startups or founders of today become leaders uh, tomorrow, uh, giving back to the whole uh, system. This is very important to us because we believe that this is the only way we can sustain uh, what we are doing uh, long-term. So today, basically, the session I'm uh, going to be taking is about, uh, it's an introduction to entrepreneurship. We will touch on the basic issues of entrepreneurship um, and the mindset required by entrepreneurs to run a business. Um, my job is to introduce you to this concept because we at Etinia believe that five days are actually not enough uh, to uh, discuss anything uh, meaningful about business. Business is a very broad uh, field. And if you know, you understand that entrepreneurship requires a lot of uh, discussion around the issues. However, because we have limited time, I'm going to just touch on some of the issues. I'm not going to discuss everything. I'm going to touch on some of the issues. And then um, if you have any questions or if you have any further inquiries, you can contact us and then we can deal with those issues uh, individually or personally as it relates to you as a person or as a business. So let me start by asking this question and this is for everybody um, my question basically is what are your expectations for this training those of you who can chat please feel free to chat what are your expectations for this training um, chat your answers or if you want to unmute your microphone and speak please feel free unmute your microphone and speak. I will take a few answers before I continue. If you wish to speak, unmute your microphone and speak. Um, 
what are your expectations for this training? What are your expectations? Those of you who can speak, please feel free to speak. Um, are your delay said he cannot hear me? Can you hear me now? Are your delay, let me know if you can hear me now. Are your delay a duty? If you can hear me now, let me know so that we don't leave you out of the discussion. But anyone who wishes to speak, please feel free to say something. What are your expectations? What do you want? Again, Benedict says to gain access to finance for my business. Um, any other comments? To gain access to finance for my business. Who else? Someone is speaking, but I can't hear you. If you can hear me, I can't hear you at all. What are your expectations? Usayo, can you speak, please? Sayo, can you speak? Uh, I have a couple of statements here. My expectations uh, are to be educated on how to manage and finance my business because I'm a starter. I hear you, Celestina. Um, Jacob says to be better equipped to do business and access the required finance. Um, and Olarowaju said, more knowledge on finance, liter financial literacy and funding opportunities for business. Haruna also says um, to learn more about financial management and business. Uh, Olu Oluwa says knowing more about finance institution. And Aliu Kadri says my expectation is to be better, to be a better entrepreneur. Um, and then Nana Enobo says, uh, my expectation is to acquire more knowledge on how to start my business and access finance. Um, thank you very much for your feedback. Uh, Michael, my expectation is to access finance. Good, I see you all and I hear your comments um, on this. Okay, so let me share our own expectation uh, with you for today. Um, I think, as I said before, it will be almost impossible to discuss everything related to business today. Um, so our expectation uh, in the next five days is to help you understand what it means to start and manage your business, what pieces uh, are required to put together the whole puzzle that makes up a business. Um, and we will, we have chosen some of the topics that we feel are critical for entrepreneurs to start and run a business. Therefore, you are likely going to hear um, uh, bits and pieces of everything, but not everything uh, as, as, as a whole. 
Uh, I encourage you to pay attention, to engage, ask questions if your uh, understanding is not what you expect of the, the ideas being put, put forward. Please feel free to ask us questions so we explain them because we want you to go away with something from this discussion. So let me start. Um, Let me start by talking about entrepreneurship generally. I know that a lot of us have heard and read a lot about entrepreneurship, but um, let me just say this this morning. The first point I want to make is that although you hear the definition of entrepreneurs, like um, people who undertake uh, ventures at great risks, um, appropriating the values and the resources that come in um, at the end of the day for themselves as an attractive thing about business. I want to also say that entrepreneurship is more than just starting a business. It is not uh, all entrepreneurs um, are not business people. Some of them uh, are able to, to find solutions to problems that can be monetized, however, they do not start a business. Some of them are entrepreneurs at heart, but they have the critical mindset necessary for entrepreneurship, but they work within organizations. Therefore, they are always looking to bring their mindsets to solve problems uh, within every organization they work with. So they don't necessarily have to start a business uh, to be called entrepreneurs. So you don't have to also start a business to be an entrepreneur, but you can be an entrepreneur within whatever organization you find yourself. And that is why you have a lot of intrapreneurs in uh, different organizations that are doing very well uh, today. Um, the next thing I want to say about entrepreneurship is that entrepreneurship is a mindset. Um, entrepreneurship is a mindset that you bring to bear on everything that you come across in life. Um, for some people, when you encounter a problem, you are frustrated. An entrepreneurial mindset would encounter a problem and start immediately thinking about how can you solve this problem or this challenge or meet this need? And how can you make value or create value or commercialize that solution? This is the way an entrepreneur thinks. And so a lot of the times you would find yourself looking at challenges and feeling depressed or um, concerned about those challenges unless you are able to start thinking about how to solve that problem and how to create value out of that problem, you should know that your entrepreneurial mindset is not yet developed. And so entrepreneurs or entrepreneurship is um, a mindset whereby you always find um, a way to make lemonade out of lemons, so to say. Um, if you find a difficult challenge, you start thinking immediately, how do we solve this challenge? And are there other people with similar challenges? Can we monetize the solution that we create for this problem? That is one of, one of the ways that entrepreneurs think. You know. um, the next thing is entrepreneurs 
are not limited by the environment or their communities. They are constantly looking beyond these communities and thinking, how can I create a solution that can benefit the entire world? You know, not just benefit me as a person or benefit my community, you know, but can this solution be applied in other situations? Another way to say this is to say, if I find a solution uh, for a problem that is, is encountered locally, the entrepreneurial mindset starts to think, is there any community out there globally that can benefit from this solution? And how can we get that solution to that community or to that country or to that part of the world? So the worldview helps you to essentially create solutions that are not um, small, but uh, solutions that are global in perspective. Um, this is how people think big and start small, as you have often heard them say in business. Um, the next thing I want to say, Chidozi uh, Ngozi, you have a question, please. If you want to chat it, I will read it and answer you. Uh, or if you want to say it, I would listen. Please. Chidoze, your hand was raised. If it was a mistake, no problem. I can go ahead. The, the third thing is entrepreneurship is all about creativity. It's not enough to find a solution. Uh, you have to find solutions in very uh, creative ways. You have to find solutions in very creative ways. You know, um, in Africa, we're used to this situation whereby if you come across a gutter uh, near your house, all you need to do is find a way to put stones across that gutter and step over the puddle and find your way. Um, in itself, that is a solution, but can you monetize that solution? It's not a solution that you can monetize in a creative way. Um, it's not a solution that you can scale. Therefore, the creativity is missing in that solution. And so entrepreneurs are constantly looking for solutions to problems, uh, answers to needs that people may have, uh, how to solve uh, major tax, but they also do it in very creative ways. I have Enoch raising his hand. I have ITEL raising their hands. If you have a question, please um, chat it. ITEL, I can see you. You don't need to identify yourself. I can see you, except if you have a question, um, then you can chat it. I can read it. Is that okay? Enoch too, if you need to ask a question, please chat it so that uh, we can keep the flow of the discussion. Is that okay? So these are three key things that make entrepreneurs uh, successful or entrepreneurship an attractive thing because of that mindset that you have to try to solve problems and the worldview to create solutions that are big beyond your imagination, uh, but also starting small from your immediate community uh, and the creativity to make the solutions attractive and very valuable. Um, thank you, Michael. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about, 
entrepreneurship is that we need to understand that entrepreneurship is a process. Um, you don't just arrive as an entrepreneur. You need to go through certain rudiments and certain uh, requirements or certain processes that will eventually make you a full-fledged entrepreneur. And one of those is that development of your mindset. Um, you can have a business, yes, but entrepreneurship takes a mindset to build creativity and things like that to, 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 to become very good at what you do. So one of those things you have to understand is that entrepreneurship starts from that startup process. And every time we mention the startup process, people imagine the startup process as um, just going to open a shop and put a few items in it and then you have started. That is not what we mean by the startup process. And when we talk about maturity, it is about becoming a business leader, a leader in your industry. It is not how long you have been in business. It is not also how long you have um, uh, been running a particular uh, business. It is about growing a business to a certain stage whereby uh, you have achieved your goal of whether a global distribution or financial return or also impact on your community or society. It's not about uh, the time spent in that business. Uh, however, more than 90% of businesses that you will come across globally are either in the micro, small, medium uh, enterprises stage. You know, um, most of us look at the big uh, unicorns and celebrate them, Google, Microsoft, um, uh, SpaceX, and the rest of them. We look at them and we feel like that is what makes you an entrepreneur. No, those are actually an exception. Um, in, 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 their, in their right, they are very few and far apart. If you know how many Googles are there in the world, uh, how many Microsofts are there, um, the reality is that there are very few of them. The majority of businesses that you would find globally are small, are medium, or micro uh, enterprises. So um, Instead of looking at those unicorns and trying to become like them, I would encourage that you look at the 90% of businesses that exist. Sometimes when some businesses are mentioned and you hear the amount of money they make um, annually as their income, you wonder why for all your life you've never heard about them. You know, This is because most businesses have different targets. Um, a lot of businesses don't want to go beyond their immediate communities. Their own goal is to remain as a national business and they don't want their, their expansion or their growth um, uh, goals or objectives are limited to their communities and not uh, to spread globally. So they restrict themselves to their immediate uh, environment. Some of them can be found globally, yes. However, they have not grown beyond what uh, you would uh, want to celebrate as a unicorn. Unicorns are usually a result of like radical innovation that happens once in a while. You know, um, it's usually associated with technology or um, the industrial uh, revolution kind of uh, 
uh, uh, innovation that happens, electricity, internet, you know, and, and, and things like that, space and things like that. Those are really very rare occurrences. So you can be an entrepreneur, um, be very successful and still be a small um, or a medium enterprise in your right. Um, a medium in most communities do not translate to what we see as medium in our community. Um, sometimes we talk to a business owner uh, in Europe or America and they tell you, we are a very small business. And you ask them, how much is your uh, revenue per annum? You know, how much do you make as a business per annum? And they tell you, well, we make around uh, 35 million uh, revenue per annum, and if you if you multiply that by the naira, naira value right now, 35, 36 million um, is is a huge revenue in in the sense of the word, in the true sense of the word in Nigeria today. Um, but those companies will tell you we're a small business, uh, we're a, a, a medium scale business, and things like that. So again. I would say that the majority of the businesses you would find or come across would be in that range of the 90%. Um, therefore, um, the point I want you to take away here is that entrepreneurship is a process and it is not an event that you can say, oh, I've become an entrepreneur today and I've finished becoming an entrepreneur. So I'm moving on to the next thing. You grow your mindset, you grow your creativity, you grow your ability to think globally and ability to grow your business from, from one little unit to a scale of multiple units, okay? Um, and the last thing I can say here is that entrepreneurship can be taught. So probably some of the things I've said would make you feel like, oh, I don't think that I'm an entrepreneur because I don't have this mindset. I don't think I'm an entrepreneur because I'm not creative enough. I don't think I'm an entrepreneur because I'm not looking to solve people's problems or challenges uh, or meeting people's needs. Yes, this all can be taught. And this process, there are processes, there are tools, there are uh, uh, um, roadmaps that you can use to essentially become very good at uh, uh, carrying out your, your ventures or enterprises. You know, so entrepreneurship can be taught, so do not despair. Um, what you need to do is to learn and what you need to do is to find uh, a good place to learn those things from. The next concept I want to share is the business life cycle that um, every business has a life cycle. Every business has a life cycle. It doesn't matter what industry that business belongs to. Uh, it doesn't matter whether big or small. Um, the business, every business you see has a life cycle. And it always starts you know, from the pre-start stage to the startup phase, and then the pre-growth, the growth phase, the maturity phase, and then the transition phase. Now, for, for some businesses, these different stages or phases um, happen you know, uh, faster than other phases. So you probably have the pre-stage being shorter than 
the startup phase or you have the startup phase being shorter than the pre-stage and, and, and like that. But essentially, every business goes through these life stages, you know, or life cycle. And um, one of the things that you want to use this knowledge for is to understand where am I in my business right now? It could take from pre-start pre transition, it could take one to 10 years, you know, uh, for a business to arrive at that point. And so um, every business you see, you can actually plot it on this graph and say this business is probably at this point right now. Um, and, and what are those stages really? What does it mean? What does the pre-stage, uh, pre-start phase mean? What does the startup phase mean? And what does the pre-growth stage mean? And, and so on and so forth. Um, the reality is that many companies have faced the same uh, challenges and I've been on this same journey, you know? And, and so there is a pattern that you can recognize that would help you understand that a business or diagnose that your business is really at this phase. And, and, and when we talk about those, those symptoms or those uh, characteristics of each phase, it helps you to say, ah, this is where exactly my business is. Uh, and, and, and one of the reasons why this becomes very useful as a tool is that if you are at the pre-stage phase, you are able to look at and recognize the pattern of business growth and development and say, okay, I am at the pre-stage. These are the challenges I'm likely to be facing. When I move to the startup phase, these are the challenges I'm likely going to be facing. Therefore, it helps you to actually prepare for the next stage of business or the next um, uh, list of challenges that you will face at that stage. So how, what does it mean to be at this uh, pre-startup phase? What does it mean to be at this pre-startup phase? You look at the life cycle, um, since we said it's a cycle, it would probably look something like this. Um, sometimes it's not as colorful as this, I must say. However, um, the reality is that the pre-start is not part of the cycle uh, as much as some people would like to see it in the cycle. But sometimes the pre-start is not part of the cycle because at this point, nothing has been started. What you see essentially at the pre-start phase is all entrepreneurs, people we call entrepreneurs are at this stage. These are people who want to do business. You find out that they talk about it, they feel they have the, the gift uh, for going into business, but they never even take the first step to venture in. Um, they read all the books they find about business, so if you have a discussion with a entrepreneur, he probably knows everything about business, um, but has never gone out to try it himself. You know, they can discuss business from, from today until forever, but they have never done it themselves. 
Um, the other thing about entrepreneurs or people in the pre-start phase is that they are constantly dreaming about ideas that they have. You know, I want to do this. I can do this. I know how to do this. I will do this. This is my plan for this. They, they have a plan for every business idea that we talk about. You know, um, we can use the internet to solve all the problems, all the crimes in Nigeria, solve all the uh, economic challenges in Nigeria. But they have never really ventured out to do that. Um, Ayodole, audio is not working. The rest of you hear me. Let me know if you can hear me. Just either raise up your hand or chat or thumbs up so I know you can hear me. Um, yes, you can hear me. Yes, you can hear me. Okay, Ayodele, it must be a problem with your line alone because most people can hear me. Okay, so... Thank you, Busai. So um, what, what happens to the entrepreneur is that they have many ideas. You know, if you go to their folders or their journals, um, they have written a lot of these ideas there, but they have never really taken any of them uh, to the market to test them or to try them out. Okay, so if you find yourself in this uh, part uh, of the life cycle, wanting to start a business, but never really going out to start it. Some of the challenges you see there is that you are being uh, indecisive. There's indecision that is plaguing you. It's making it difficult for you. Uh, it's making it difficult for you to actually go out and start your business because you don't know whether to start today or tomorrow or next tomorrow or sometimes also because you have so many ideas, you are thinking, which idea should I start with? Uh, should I do this one? Will I be successful with this or not? The other issues you face is fear and fear essentially is of the unknown. Um, there are a lot of uncertainties when you start a business. And so a lot of people find it difficult to even start, you know, so you are afraid of failure. You are afraid of not being successful after starting. You're afraid of leaving what you're doing now to go and start a business. What if it doesn't work, you know, and this becomes a real issue for you. And because of that, you keep saying, I will start tomorrow and never going out to start. Um, Sometimes there's a reality of the lack of funds. The ideas you come up with could be uh, financially uh, demanding. Uh, um, and you feel like because it's capital intensive, it's not likely going to happen because I don't have the funds. So you keep waiting uh, for something to happen to make you actually go out and start a business. Your reality of the pre-start phase is the uncertainty. There is a lot of uncertainty here. And this is real, this is not imagined. Um, starting a business that you have never done before, especially is a risk. And because there's uncertainty about whether or not you will succeed, a lot of people never get up to start that business. Um, what you what you have working for you and what will probably help you to start is the fact that there is a lot of awareness today about entrepreneurship. 
you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of us who started business uh, in those years um, had very little knowledge about business because no one or not many people were talking about business in the way we are talking about business now. So the awareness is greater now. Uh, and so everywhere you turn to, you can probably find something about uh, business that you can read or listen to and talk about. Therefore, you have that going for you. So it's an advantage. You know, the other thing is starting from zero means you have nothing to use. You know, because if you've not invested any money in anything, then I mean, if it doesn't work, then there's nothing to lose. You know, uh, essentially, there's no name that you have made that you're, you're protecting. There's no wealth that you've created that you don't want to lose. You know, so it's really um, important that you realize that if you are ever going to go into business, you just need to start. You know, you can't keep dilly-dallying and thinking about it or overthinking it. You just need to start. You know, the only way you can know whether you will succeed or not is to start. You know, so for the uh, pre-start stage, you probably need someone to push you. You know, it's like you're standing on the edge of the pool. You're not sure whether it is hot or cold and you are trying to decide whether to jump in or not, you know, filling the water with your hands or your feet. You know, what usually happens here is when someone pushes you into the pool, then you find yourself struggling to survive. And, and, and in most instances, you survive because you can flail and throw your hands and feet in all directions and eventually find a way to survive, grab at everything that you find. And this is what really happens in business. You know, you need someone who can either push you on the deep end and say, swim, you know, uh, or you need someone who will hold your hands and say, look, let me coach you through this process. Or let me mentor you as you, encounter, uh, you, you embark on this journey. Or in some instances, it's Stop even it, about saying someone encourages, you to, um, someone encourages you to start, you know. Um, if that happens, then you find yourself moving into the startup phase. And the startup phase is really where some action really starts, you know. It's no longer what you had prior to this, um, now you have, now you have uh, started something, you have actually uh, taken the dive into the pool. There are only, okay, please can you mute your calls if you are in transit or you are not speaking? Hello, someone, someone audio is on, the person should mute it. Yeah, so Thanks. I am actually trying to get that done. Um, let me see if I can mute everyone. Oh, Joy, please mute everyone. Thank you. Okay, so um, at the startup phase, at this phase, you probably have a few customers. You have. Okay, 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 okay. I need to do this. Um, 
I need to mute everyone. Good. Okay, so as I was saying, at the start of phase, you have already started the business and you probably have, uh, you probably have a few customers and um, at this point, you're looking for validation. You're looking for people who would say your business is working and is doing well. Um, they like your idea or what you're trying to bring to the market. However, the startup phase also has its own challenges. And I will mention just a few. Um, it is really tedious, you know, um, doing everything yourself to make your business work at this point and in most instances with very little or no uh, finances can be very very challenging um, and what that means is that you wake up 7 a.m or sometimes 5 a.m and you are doing everything yourself until late night because no one else is there to help you you can't afford to employ more people um, you are doing uh, everything to survive, including marketing. However, for most startup people, marketing is the biggest challenge. Going out to tell someone about something that you just created or just started is usually very challenging for most entrepreneurs. Um, the fear of rejection, the fear of criticism, um, the fear of even not making a sale uh, makes it difficult for you to market yourself. Uh, and so for most entrepreneurs, Another challenge they face is pricing. How much should I charge? You know, is it too much? Is it too little? Is it right? You know, um, and because you are not sure of yourself, uh, you tend to sell yourself cheap in most instances. You, you feel like if I charge this much, people will think I am I'm greedy. Uh, and sometimes also you feel like what I have created is so good, no one else is doing it. Therefore, you charge so high and it is a stage that you have not really validated. So a very high price usually uh, encounters a lot of resistance, not because the value is not good, but because people don't know your product or don't know the services you're offering. And so they feel like, I mean, why are you charging that much for whatever it is you're offering? And so pricing becomes a challenge for most startup entrepreneurs. Hello, I can hardly hear you. Another challenge for startup entrepreneurs is the fact that... Another challenge for startup entrepreneurs is the fact that The fact that you, because you are starting uh, new, you want to include everyone in what you're doing. You know, you don't want to turn customers away. Uh, you feel that every client that comes your way should be included. So you become all inclusive, including making promises to people that you cannot fulfill. Um, most times you learn this letter that it's very difficult to be everything for everyone, you know, um, so you
Hello, can you hear me? Okay, this is becoming challenging for me too. Um, so you want to do everything for everyone. However, it's going to be very difficult to do everything for everyone. And this inclusiveness is one of the reasons why you have this um, difficulty or challenge uh, at the, the startup phase. The entrepreneur is the marketer, he's the distributor, he's the producer, he is the uh, uh, um, uh, driver, you know, accountant. So you're doing everything and then you keep including every customer that comes your way. Some people will tell you, oh, I live in Kubwa. And uh, you say, okay, I'll, I'll drive down there and give you the product. Or somebody will tell you, uh, we need you to come at 10 p.m. for um, to, to, to uh, do our job. And you say, okay, I will go because I need the customer. You know, it becomes like you do not have time for yourself again. So it becomes very tedious. Some of the disadvantages or the advantages that you have at the startup phase is that you learn a lot. You know, this is the phase where you learn much more than ever before because some of the things you are experiencing now, you have never experienced before. Therefore, um, now you learn a lot of things about business, about your, your, your industry, about marketing, about pricing, you know, you get some little wins, you know, some customers come around and tell you, oh, you're doing very well, I appreciate your product. This is the best product I've ever seen in the market and things like that. And it's, it's a win and it becomes fun for you to be doing what you love and to be getting paid for it. You know, these are some of the advantages of starting your business yourself at the startup phase. And then you fall, you fail small and cheap. At this point, you've not invested too much. And so the losses are not that much or that, uh, I mean, um, uh, huge in terms of uh, uh, finance. So you, you fail small and you learn from that. It's like the little steps that a baby takes when they're trying to walk. You know, you try once, you fall, you get up, you try again, you fall, you get up, you keep trying small and cheap. I mean, uh, failing small and cheap and you learn. Now, the reality of the startup phase, and let me say this candidly to all entrepreneurs listening, the reality of a startup phase is that you need to have the mindset that you don't know what you're doing. Okay, I see a lot of people go into business with the mindset that I know everything. This is not the right kind of mindset for a startup owner. If you go with the mindset that you know what you're doing, you're going to fail big. You go into the market with the mindset that I don't know what I'm doing and I'm here um, to, to, to see what happens, then you're going to learn a lot. Okay, um, uh, sometimes you feel like because you have studied in a certain field, you know everything that there is in that field. The reality is different. In fact, even if you have practiced in one part of the world, it's not the same when you move to another part of the world. You're going to learn about the market dynamics. You're going to learn about the market forces. You're going to learn about the, the purchasing power of the people in that community. You're going to have to learn 
about, you know, in fact, even government policies, how they work. You know, um, I remember when I first moved from uh, Niger State, from Mina to Abuja to set up uh, my first business, uh, I found a very huge signboard and I, I, I found a very good location at a huge runabout and just, you know, erected my, my, my signboard at that point. When I came back two weeks later, I didn't find the signboard there. So I was very furious and angry that some thieves came and stole my signboard. And I was even complaining to my friends and saying, how can somebody actually steal a signboard? Is this not, not strange? I mean, why would somebody even do that? And one of my friends who had lived in Abuja for years told me, you are very lucky that they didn't even find it, you know, because you are supposed to have paid fine. And they removed it because they couldn't locate you. Usually you don't just put up a signboard in Abuja, you know. Uh, and I was like, wow, really? He said, yeah, I mean, you're lucky that they didn't, they didn't take you to court for that and, you know, and things like that. So for you to have survived in another part of the world or in another part of Nigeria does not mean you would survive in another city, you know. So you need to learn everything new is going to be different from what you, you are used to. So at the startup phase, you want to try different things and fail fast, as we said. You want to fail cheap and, and as regularly as possible so you learn from those experiences. And then you want to gain experience. You know, you want to gain experience in that field, in that industry, in that context, the new context you find yourself. And from there, build on that. You want to learn what works and what doesn't work, okay? So what happens at, at, at the final phase uh, at the three feet? You have to essentially find a problem uh, solution fit. You have to find uh, a product market fit and the business model fit. I'll talk a little bit about those later on. But for now, any questions before I continue? Any questions? Um, if you have a question, please speak now so we can address it before we continue. Um, Any questions? No one is asking questions. It means we're all okay, right? Yes. Good. Okay, let me continue. Uh, I noticed that some people keep dropping out of the, the, the class and joining back in. Um, must be a personal internet problem or something. Please, if you have a question, just chat it, I can see. Any questions now? Good, so let, let's continue. Um, so we continue with the next stage, um, which is the pre-growth stage. The pre-growth stage usually comes after you have learned and validated your startup idea and, 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 and you have moved into a stage where you have begun to see some progress. 
you know, there's customer growth, you know, there is also um, a speed at which things begin to, to, to grow. You experience this growth at a rate that you didn't expect. Suddenly, everybody is calling you and demanding for your service or your product. Um, suddenly, even places that you used to go to and beg them to collect one or two products are beginning to tell you, oh, please bring more. We need more. The one you brought last time has finished and things like that. Or more people are asking for your services in different ways. You know, uh, you're beginning to gain recognition. You're beginning to find your way in the market, and where everywhere you go, people are saying, "Oh, this is the founder of so 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 and so." You know, and 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 people are saying, "In fact, when you go online these days on social media, you find a lot of people doing free advertisement for you. If you want to to get satisfaction for your money, try this product or try these people. You know, they are doing a very good job and things like that. This recognition." helps you to grow at the speed that you least expect, you know. Um, then you have challenges as well, you know. And some of those challenges is the fact that you are growing at a dizzying speed. At this point, you realize that sometimes you are struggling to meet your orders. You're struggling to cover all the jobs that, that are coming your way. Um, because people are constantly calling you and asking you to attend to them, you, you, you realize that you have to double your speed to be able to meet all those things. So the challenge is, again, that of staying focused, trying to, to be focused to do the job that has brought you this far. Um, it is mostly at this point that most entrepreneurs lose it. You know, I'm going to talk more about that later because you're gaining this recognition um, and then you're growing at a very supersonic rate, um, staying focused becomes a problem. Uh, sometimes you become overwhelmed by the request. You know, people say, we need this product. And then they call you 10 times and you keep promising, oh, please, I'm going to come tomorrow. I'm going to supply. And then you call them back and say, we have a problem. You know, we couldn't get the, the quantity that you requested. So we'll give you half today and we'll give you half tomorrow and things like that. You know, you become overwhelmed by the things that are happening. And as I said, uh, staying focused becomes a problem and sometimes you can get carried away that you have arrived. Um, advantages that you have at this point it is, it is that it is now becoming more fun and fulfilling because you're getting a lot of uh, 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 your services in demand. You're making a lot of money or some money at this point. You're having some fun, being recognized. Uh, there are opportunities also because people are calling you to say, can we partner with you to do ABCD? Can we, uh, can you supply your products to us? Can you do this for us? You know, um, but I will remind you that the mindset that the entrepreneur needs to have at this point is different. You need to come back to art and to always remind yourself that you have not yet arrived. Know, that your business is at the pre-growth phase does not mean you have arrived. It only means that you have found something that works and that customers really like not yet arrived. And if you do not have this mindset, I promise you, you're going to go back down. Okay? If you forget that at this phase, it's just the beginning of growth, you are going to suffer. Okay, as a business. So 
need to maintain a clear focus, as I said before. You need to begin to build structures. And this is very, very essential and important. We'll talk more about this, but it is at this point that you need to start building the structures that will help you to grow, okay? And then you need to learn to say no, because it is not every opportunity you come across that is for the taking. You need to understand that some of these opportunities are beyond you. Some of these opportunities are beyond your current capacity, and therefore you need to let them go. You need to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that, because this is exactly where I'm going to. Because if you don't have the right focus to say, my next challenge is to grow this business to this point, and you start digressing or deviating in different directions to, to follow other opportunities. I find a lot of entrepreneurs at this point saying, oh, we want to diversify. Oh, we want to bring another product to the market. Oh, we want to uh, 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 serve a different customer segment. Oh, we want to, in some cases, you start doing philanthropic activities and things like that. That is not the phase. Okay, this is the pre-growth phase. And it is required that at this point, you're going to be preparing yourself for growth. Okay, so what do you need? You need to sustain this market demand for you to be able to grow. And if you are not focused, and if you keep, if you get overwhelmed by the, 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 the customer demand or the market demand, and you cannot meet those demands, that is the point at which you start losing customers. You've had people say that um, these people came out with a very good product, but before long, they became overwhelmed and, and they couldn't meet the demand on the market. Therefore, you know, a lot of customers turn around and walk away, you know, because now, now, now they are making a little money and they're no longer paying attention to quality and standard. And therefore, we can no longer patronize them. This is real. And this happens in real life. I've seen it so many times. And I've, I've seen entrepreneurs who experienced this and who suffered as a result of a lack of focus you know, or lack of structures or uh, the inability to say no to, to opportunities that came their way, okay? So you need to sustain this market demand to be able to move into the growth phase. Um, the growth phase is the phase where every entrepreneur wants to be. Um, uh, and, and, and this happens because in the last phase, during the pre-growth phase, you have taken the right decisions, you have prioritized the right tax. These are the things that we need to do if we need to grow. Things like building structures, things like uh, building processes, things like uh, employing the right kind of people. And, and so, so now you begin to have an attractive business that is structured in such a way that uh, customers love, you know, um, you have new employees. And so you're no longer a one-man business, but you're growing into, you've grown into an organization with everybody doing his part to make sure things work well. Uh, you have increased volumes of order because your capacity has increased and people can now ask you, I mean, to, to, to bring more or to provide them with more services. Okay. Um, however, as with all the other phases, at this phase also, there are challenges. And one of the key challenges um, is the fact that 
you need to be able to control uh, the changes and the influx of people. Okay, and most businesses find it very difficult to keep track of everything that is happening at the growth phase because there's so much happening at the same time. Suddenly you have new employees to take care of. Suddenly you have new customers that are coming in every day um, and then liquidity becomes a problem. And liquidity here means the cash you have at hand to use for your production and for, your, for, for the daily running of the business. Because the demand has increased for your services or for your, for your products, you have to spend every cobble you get to produce more. And therefore, most times you find that you're looking for more money to put into the business. This can become a crisis if it is not managed well. Um, and recruiting the right people can be a challenge. Those of you who have run businesses in Nigeria know that half the time you don't have the right people in your business. Uh, and so recruiting the right people is a huge challenge for businesses at this phase because you are recruiting people and because sometimes the recruitment happens because you, you are faced with challenges of meeting customer demand. You recruit just anybody that wants a job. And then you wake up and realize that these people are not even right for your business. Okay, this can be a huge uh, challenge for your business. Um, you need to also develop management culture that, that helps your business to grow. You need to be able to, to manage the transition from a founder to a CEO. Some people remain as the founder throughout this growth phase and that can kill your business. And remaining as a founder is retaining the mentality that I own this business, therefore no one else can do everything in this business except myself. And then you do everything yourself. And because you are doing everything yourself, nothing works except you're there, okay? And the other side of it is that because you have to give the go ahead on every issue, people stagnate when you are not there. They just wait for you uh, to be there to do the things. Now, that is not the role of a CEO with an organization. You need to manage this transition from a founder to a CEO very well. Otherwise, your growth will be stunted. Or in most cases, um, you will not even grow, okay? Um, then the advantages you have at this phase is the reality that you are playing on a bigger stage. As a business that has moved up from a startup through the pre-growth phase to the, to, to the growth phase, you now begin to get a lot of uh, uh, attention and the people that will approach you are people that ordinarily you would not uh, think you can do business with. So now you have that uh, visibility on a bigger stage where people appreciate you more. Um, cash problems are gone. And don't forget, don't mix this cash problem with the liquidity crisis I mentioned earlier on, because um, the liquidity is the cash you need to run your business. However, the cash uh, is the, I mean, the cash we're talking here about here is the revenue that you've made as a business. And because now you are running as an organization, you have probably placed yourself on salary and the salary is good enough for you to live on. So the cash problems that you had before are now gone. And in some instances, this cash problem we're talking about is also because you're a big player with so much, I mean, uh, increased volume of orders. People are willing to give you uh, a line of credit for you to use for, for production and manufacturing before 
uh, you can pay them back. So those, those cash problems are usually not as much here. Um, you also have an attractive outlook. So it gives you an opportunity to actually approach big businesses to do business with them. Um, and you need to take advantage of that as a, as, a, as a business at the growth phase. Your new reality is that you need to, as an entrepreneur, maintain the mindset that you got here by sheer grit patience, perseverance, and persistence, and, and, and fortune, good fortune in most instances. Don't forget that, okay? If you forget the, the habits and the disciplines that got you to the growth phase, you're going to go back down, okay? If you forget the habits and the disciplines that brought you to this phase, you're going to go back down, okay? So you need to maintain those disciplines, pass them across to the staff that you have acquired in the process, uh, build an organizational culture um, that, that is robust to the extent that whether you are there or not, the people in the organization can run it the way you would run it if you were there, okay? So some of the things you need to do um, as a reminder, manage liquidity. Make sure that there's always cash at hand to enhance production and um, to enhance supply uh, or service. Manage the founder to CEO transition. Um, you need to change your mindset from running as a founder to running as a CEO. As a CEO, you are a chief executive officer who is responsible for overseeing the entire organization. You are not going to be running around as the founder doing everything. If you leave the strategic uh, decisions uh, undone, your company is going to suffer. You need to find other people to do the basic things that anyone else can do in the organization and focus on the key things that a CEO is supposed to focus on, strategy. You need to, uh, to, to sit down and look at cash flow, what is happening to your cash flow, understanding the, 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 the financials of your organization and using that to build a strategy for growth and ex expansion. The other thing is you need to leverage on some of the advantages that you have so that you will grow. Okay, and finally here, build structure and systems. This is the only thing that takes you to the next stage. Okay, if you do not build structures and systems and processes that will ensure that your company, you know, maintains this growth uh, and moves to the maturity phase, your company is not going to survive. Okay, and let me stop here and say that um, I know that most of the businesses that we have around um, are in these phases, the pre-start, the startup, the pre-growth and the growth phase. I'm not going to talk uh, about the next stage, which is maturity phase. You know, I'm not going to talk about the, the transition phase because not many businesses uh, that I have encountered are in this stage and, and not many businesses that are looking for funding at this point, uh, at this point. But if you want to talk more about these uh, phases, we can actually talk about them if you are, if any of us is in this phase and wants to discuss this uh, as, as a personal growth thing, uh, 
we have opportunities for you to do that uh, later on. But let me move on um, to talk about this. Um, for most times, we, when we talk about startup to becoming a, a full-fledged company, a lot of people assume it is as simple as one, two, three. You start today, you grow tomorrow, and you mature next tomorrow. The reality is not this simple. Um, if you even look at the line, the dotted line on top of the, the, the growth phase, it looks like a smooth curve to the top. It's usually almost something like this, okay? Uh, and if you look at that, you would see that at some points uh, below the two, it looks like you're going backward. At some point after the two, it looks like you're going down the value of debt before you even go up uh, uphill to becoming a market leader. These things are real. You know, the journey from a startup to a growth company to a market leader is actually a challenge. And I say a challenge, and probably the picture that comes to your mind is a small challenge, but I am talking about a really big challenge, you know. Um, most businesses struggle to move from one phase to the next, not because um, they, they are not good ideas, but because people underestimate the challenge that, I mean, help, I mean that, 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 that people encounter or entrepreneurs encounter when they are building a business. The reality is those challenges are huge. Um, and, and in Nigeria, or in Africa as a whole, you can even double the size of this challenge, you know, because you're fighting against everything that can go wrong in the in, in the in the country. You know, is it light, electricity, is it transportation, you know, is it government policies, you know, that are sometimes even ridiculous? There are so many things that would threaten to, to pull you down. And that is why you don't find many businesses. Just survey the line and see. You don't find many businesses, you know, uh, grow to becoming market leaders in Nigeria without a, a lot of help from government and, and, and from free money. You know, if you want to do this the hard way, it's usually a huge challenge. Um, however, that is the, the joy for most entrepreneurs. You want to surmount these challenges and get to the top and look back and clap for yourself and enjoy you know, the victory that you have earned over uh, the entrepreneurship journey and becoming a, a successful company. Okay, And this can happen. It is possible. Companies are doing it. They may be in the minority, but it is happening and it is possible to get there. Um, I would like to give a break, um, and it's going to be like 10 minutes break, so that you can, if you want a cup of tea, you can get a cup of tea or coffee, uh, so that you can keep awake during the last phase of the discussion um, or the presentation. Um, I also want to suggest that if you have any questions, you can chat them. And then we can answer those questions also uh, during or after the break. The other announcement here mm -hmm. is to say you don't need to disconnect. You can just stay muted and then 
and go do whatever you want to do and come back. And we'll continue at, uh, let's say, 23 minutes past 10. Is that okay? Good. Yeah. I don't see any complaints, so. Okay, so we'll continue in 10 minutes. Um, in the absence of questions and comments. Sorry, hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, morning, sir. Thank you very much for the lectures. Thank you. Um, I think there's a sustained question there that I'm also interested in. You made mention of um, having to move over from the founder to the CEO. Can you please ah, tell okay. the distinction between who a founder is and the CEO? Thank you. Okay, uh, Thomas, right? Yes, okay, thank you for the question. Um, the whole transition from founder to CEO is a mindset thing, okay? Um, as we said, a founder, when you start a business as a founder, you, you are like doing everything for the company. You're the marketer, you're the transporter, you're the production manager, you are the, 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 the accountant and things like that. Now, what that means is you are involved in every detail of your organization, okay? But as the company grows and becomes a larger organization, you've employed people, uh, you have more customers than when you were alone, you need to be able to free yourself, you know, to, to, to give that company leadership, sort of navigate the future of that company, what will make that company remain relevant? Think about the important things like, if we want to grow as a business, how do we deal with competition? How do we deal with uh, challenges that we're facing? You know, it's, it's more of a thinking time for the CEO to be more strategic than a doing time for the founder who, who wants to do everything himself. Um, there is a whole process that, that goes in there. And um, we can talk about that for the next 10 hours, you know, founder to CEO transition, you know, but the whole thing is to understand that for you to be successful at the growth phase of your business, you need to remove yourself from that doing mundane things like uh, going to pay cash into your account, uh, going to collect uh, money from the customer, uh, going to the market for procurement, you know, someone can do those things. You know, <laughs> you, you, if, you, if you find yourself doing all those things on a day-to-day -day basis, you will not have the time to sit down and think about strategy and, and growth direction for your company. That's what I'm talking about here, you know. And we can talk about how do you um, uh, think about strategy for, for, for as, a, as, a, as a CEO, how do you build yourself? You know, it's part of, it's part of growth. You know, if there are certain knowledge for managing a business that you didn't have when you were a founder, now that you have grown, if you don't have those, 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 those things, you would not be able to move the company further. You know, and a lot of people stagnate because they lack that uh, capacity to move the business forward. You know, so you need to either acquire that knowledge or, or, or capacity, or you need to bring in someone to be CEO while you continue to be the entrepreneur in the organization as the founder and owner. 
you know, you can have a CEO who is better trained and have the capacity to manage your company for you to ensure that you maintain. Don't forget, we're talking about a company that is at the growth phase, okay? We're not talking about a startup. And at the growth phase, I said, you're dealing with a lot of uh, big, big uh, 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 businesses, okay? You're on the big stage. You cannot be on the big stage and not know what to do, okay? I'm eating into your break time. Please don't forget we're on break. If you need to go on break, feel free. Um, Benedict says he can't hear anything and his network is very okay. Audio is on. He can see me talking and demonstrating, but can't tell if it's fault from his end. If everybody can hear me, then the problem is from you. So Benedict, please try and sort it out because you're missing a lot. Okay, uh, Michael, I have answered the question, I hope. What is the difference between founder and CEO and how is the transition supposed to happen? I hope I've answered that, uh, that question. Uh, Benedict, there's a suggestion that you log out and log back in again, it might help. And, um, okay. Uh, yes, same question. Kennedy. Kennedy, this is a certificate training for NISAL. Yes, we can give you the NISAL certificate that you've gone through this training. Uh, all the contact details will be shared at the end of the training. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we can give you our details, including our website and everything. It's easy to get in touch with us. Is it a good idea for an entrepreneur to diversify into another kind of business when the present one is not benefiting in terms of sales? Oh, that's a, that's, that's, uh, that's a difficult question. Um, however, uh, Esther, one thing I can say is that if, if the, the current business is not benefiting in terms of sales, the question you have to, to answer is whether you have invalidated the idea to say that this idea will not work, therefore I need to move into something else that will work, or to say that there is something you are doing that is not right and you need to tweak it. Um, we will talk more about that when we talk about developing a business model. And you will see that sometimes it's not, it's not the idea that is wrong, but maybe you're targeting the wrong customers. Sometimes it's the right customers. However, you're not giving them what they want. The value is not what they appreciate. Another, at, at other times, it is your channel of distribution that is a challenge for the customers. Therefore, you need to tweak that. And all of this has to do with looking at your business model and deciding what needs to change in my business model to make my business work. Okay. Um, Enoch, please feel free to ask your question. Um, we're listening. Uh, 
Shell Michael, please. Hello, sir. You have to apply. Yes, Enoch, I can hear you. Hello, sir. I can Hello, hear you. Okay. Um, okay. I grew up in a production-driven environment, to be precise, Abba. Okay. One of the constant challenges or some constant challenges that people face is inadequate power supply and the um, um, government policies that are not stable, inconsistency from government policies. Mm. And this affects production so much. Now, I, my question, I wanted to ask this question. Uh, whereby you said on the product looks for and solve them. How does it, especially to provide power, then whereby an entrepreneur have no, um, 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 I wouldn't say, I don't know, contribution, or even if he has the contribution cannot do much when it comes to some policies that government forms, especially in Nigerian climate. Well, I'm not sure how to answer that question, Enoch, but thank you for the question. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel also that um, in Nigeria, some of our ideas are not really um, but, however, the difficulty in the environment makes people uh, or make people give up early, earlier than they should. And this is why uh, we don't solve those problems. Um, when people come to Nigeria and they see the environment, they tell you there are a lot of opportunities in Nigeria. You know? However, not many people are willing to sustain the drive to, to build those processes. Um, you know, there are, there are, there are elect electricity generating plants that have been designed to work with refuse or garbage. And I know when you talk about ABA, I've been to ABA, I know they have a lot of refuse uh, around there, especially around the market areas, you know. And someone has designed a, a generating plant that can generate electricity using refuse only, you know, you keep burning the refuse and it generates electricity. You know, using that kind of solution, you are solving two problems at once. You are solving the refuse problem and you are solving the electricity problem, okay? Now the question is, why is it difficult for entrepreneurs to look at those opportunities of a technology that already exists and to say, can I bring this technology and build a sustainable business from this idea. Okay, this is this is something that I, I mean still baffles me because the ideas are out there, but people are not interested because it takes a while to recoup your money when you invest in this kind of businesses. And not many people are willing to wait. You know, we want this quick money and we want it now, now. You know, therefore, ideas that will take five to ten years to mature don't really attract our interest, you know? And I think that is part of the problem for me, despite the other issues of government policies and things like that. Um, our time is, uh, break time is up. So I want to continue, but Esther said, uh, 
you made mention of three stages of being an entrepreneur, having a mindset, uh, being creative, but I could not hear the third one. I said, have a worldview, Esther, and it's, um, it's, it's more about the entrepreneur than the, the stages. An entrepreneur should have a worldview. How does my problem, how does the solution I create in Nigeria solve problems in South Africa or Ghana or Togo? What that does is it gives you a bigger market than just being a local uh, 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 performer, you know. And, and this is why you see a lot of solutions from developed countries or China come to Nigeria and very few ideas from Nigeria go out to other countries. Unless you have that worldview and you're thinking in terms of global impact, you know, this solution um, that we're, we're trying to create should not be as Nigerians will always say, this is our way, this is Niger, this is how we do things here. It should be beyond that. You should be thinking beyond just creating a solution for Nigeria. Think Africa, think global, you know, and start, Nigeria, then you can have the, 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 the possibility to say it has succeeded in Nigeria, therefore we can export it to other countries and expand our market in that sense. Um, great. Uh, let me continue and then please don't forget if you have questions, just chat them and I'll try and make time at the end to answer those questions. Um, now, Okay, so uh, moving on, for everything that I've said so far, um, you need to be able to look at some of the things I said and ask yourself the question, what stage of business am I in right now? Okay, uh, where is my business right now? And you look at some of the things I mentioned as the challenges, the advantages, and, and, and the characteristics of each of these stages. And look at how you are handling those issues and, and, and why your business, I mean, and why your business would need to solve those challenges in order for you to grow. Either you are at the startup phase or even pre-startup or you are at the growth phase. Any of these phases can be, I mean, uh, the challenges can be predicted and you can actually prepare ahead for them so that you are better you know, able to handle them when they happen. Let me, let me share with you the issues or the, the, the process because I told you earlier on that entrepreneurship is a process, right? Now, a lot of us jump this process and try to find a shortcut. Um, the truth is, Every business that is at the startup phase is trying to find validation. So we say you need to, first of all, have startup validation before you can move to growth or scale up as, as it were. But most people want to avoid this stage because it requires a lot of work. The startup validation requires you to understand so many things and to answer so many questions. Now, one of the key questions you need to answer 
is whether the problem you're trying to solve is real. Okay, you hear people say, oh, people, many people have this problem. Therefore, I'm going to set up a business to solve this problem. Now, let me take, for instance, what um, Enoch said about the, the electricity challenge in Aba. How do you confirm if this is a real problem? Okay, if you were going to start a business around solving the electricity challenge in Aba, especially for people who are into production. The first question you need to answer is, is this a real problem? And how do you find out? You know, you cannot find out just sitting in your room and saying all the people in Aba have problem with, with production because there's no electricity. Therefore, I'm going to solve that problem. You actually need to go out there and ask the people, talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. What is the issue? How is it like? What does it look like? How painful is it for you? How difficult is it? You know, how bad do you need a solution to this problem? Now, if you get a positive response, then you've answered one question, which is that the problem is real. And there are real human beings out there who have these problems. And this is how the problem reflects itself. Okay. In most instances, you want to skip this because you don't want to go and ask questions. You don't want to interview another person. Uh, you don't want to reveal the secret of the solution that you're trying to, so that someone else will not steal it. But the reality is, if you don't find out if the problem is real or not, you're never going to solve it in a meaningful way, okay? The next thing you need to find out is, can you win with the solution you're trying to bring? For instance, I mentioned the garbage uh, 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 generating plan. You know, if, you, if we were to say as a group now, training today, this is the solution we want to take to ABBA, we need to find out if we can win with this. And how do we know if we can win with this? We look at all the options that the people in ABBA are using today, generating sets, everybody has his generator, uh, bribing Nepal officials to make sure that power doesn't go off in ABBA. That's one, another way that they are solving the problem. Uh, sometimes people have also used Lister engine to, to fabricate something. You go and look at all those things and compare them with the solution you're trying to bring. Okay, how much do they spend doing all those other things? If you bring your solution, are you going to be able to provide that solution at a cost that will, will, will make you profitable or will ensure that you end up being profitable or not? You know, you need to find out. Then you find out the third thing. Is it going to be worth it? You know, the money you're going to make from it, is it going to be worth it? The problem you're going to solve for these people, is it going to be worth it? All of this have to be, you know, uh, validated in a way that you come out with the feeling that, oh, this is all positive. We have a real situation here that needs solving. We have a solution here that has the possibility to win and it is worth it because it's going to make an impact, solve a critical challenge, getting rid of refuse and providing electricity. And most importantly, we're going to make money from it. Okay, then you know it's worth it. Okay, and then you can start trying to solve that problem. Now, the goal at the start of validation phase is exploration. For instance, if you find out that the problem is not real, 
the next question to ask is what is the real problem there? You know, why, why did we feel that there was a problem if there wasn't one, okay? Or why did we, did we feel that everybody had this challenge only to find out that just a few people have it? Okay, now can we look at another issue and deal with it? Or if we cannot win with the garbage uh, generating plant solution, what else is there? Can we use solar? Can we use wind? Can we use diesel generator? You know, um, is there any way we can make this work for the whole community? You know, and then is it worth it? You know, all those questions, you need to, to look at it. Is there another way we can do this that will make a better impact or create a better revenue for us? The goal is to explore the market, explore the, 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 the situation and see if you can win there. And you keep trying different things. You try the garbage, it doesn't work. You try something else, it doesn't work. You test another thing, it doesn't work. And all of these will be prototypes, not the real thing, because it has to be cheap and, and, and you have to be able to test it very fast. Some of the realities are there. If I see you trying to do that, and, and you're not winning, I will probably go and find a better solution and come and do it before you get there. So if you're not fast enough, someone else will get there before you. Okay, so those are some of the things you do during the startup validation phase. And the reality for us is that it is only when you have done this and found, what, found something that works that you start building a business model. And you will learn a lot more about building a business model in the course of this training. But just to remember that once you find something that works, you need to put it in a business model. It is not enough to say, oh, I have a fantastic solution, okay? You have to tie that solution into a business model that works you know, before you can take it to the market. And this you will learn more about in a couple of days, how to put your, your, your validated idea into a workable business model to make it, you know, uh, sustainable. Um, in its senior or at its senior, we take you through this process of startup validation in four modules in the course of three months. And if you can look at it, we go block by block we first of all help you to think like an entrepreneur. Those mindsets that Esther was asking about, we help you to understand how the entrepreneur thinks, why he thinks that way, how to create new ideas, how to find new ideas, how to think about solving problems, how to think about creating a better world through business. We do all of that and how to manage your time like the entrepreneur in the first module. Uh, then we move to the next module and we talk about how you can shape your business model. First, you get an idea, take it, validate it. Once you've validated it, you put it into a business model and you take that model out and validate it, test the business model before you get to the market. Once you start getting customers, then we know that your process has, uh, your idea has prospects and you can move to the scale up phase. Okay, now you look at the arrow on top, if the idea flies, then you move to the next stage. If it doesn't, then you squeeze that idea and put and start the process again with a different idea. Like Esther was asking, um, test a new idea and see if you can get a better uh, feedback. This is what we do at its senior. Um, however, once your idea is good enough and can scale up, 
the scale-up phase is all about business model optimization. And what this means simply is to say, you have found what work and you have found how to take it to the market. The next thing is to do it optimally, which is to say you need to do it rapidly uh, and be everywhere like Indomie. I mean, every shop, every stall, every household be there. You know, this is how to optimize what works. You need to be able to get your product out there or your services out there so that you get the maximum uh, a return on investment that you can get quickly, as quickly as possible. If you don't do this rapidly, what happens is you leave a window for people to quickly take a share of your market. Because once people see what works, they will not wait for you. They will also jump in. You remember those days where your neighbor starts doing pure water and starts making money and the next day you are there in the market beside him selling pure water, you know? Business model optimization or scaling up a business helps you to be everywhere or to quickly utilize what works before competition sets in, okay? And here it's all about multiplying your resources building processes that will make you produce rapidly without having to think twice about it and, and, and building systems that says, this is how we work here. First we'll do this, then we'll do this, then we'll do that, then we'll do that. And then we take it to the market. And this is how we take it to the market. This person does this, this person does that, this person collects the money, this person takes it to the bank. All these systems ensure that your business runs smoothly um, with very little challenge. Okay, and the business model or the growth phase or the scale-up phase is all about doing these things. Um, the goal is efficiency. You want to be very efficient at doing what you're doing so that other people who come in will find it very difficult to compete with you. Not only that, but people will continue to find you the business of choice because of your efficiency and your, your, your ability to sustain what you're doing, okay? So these are the two key phases and these are the, the key things we do there. And if it is this simple and if it is this common knowledge, why do some companies grow and others do not? If all we have said is out there, the knowledge is already there, everybody knows these are the stages a business goes through. These are the things you need to do before you grow. You know, why, why, why do some businesses or companies grow and others do not, you know? I find this a key question that every Nigerian entrepreneur should ask himself. Why do you see companies outside Nigeria grow? Why do you see companies, foreigners come into Nigeria and, and, and start grow? While a lot of Nigerian companies remain small all their lives, you know, you were born to find this company in your neighborhood, you know, and. 20 years later, it's still the same company. It hasn't grown beyond what it was 20 years ago. You know? um, and I have tried to answer this question because it has bothered me a lot. Uh, and, I, and I see three key things. There could be more, and you can argue that too. Um, but for me, from my experience working with entrepreneurs, these are some of the things I've seen. Early celebrations is one of the key reasons why a lot of businesses don't succeed in Nigeria. Entrepreneurs get to a certain point and believe that they have arrived. Therefore, they start celebrating. 
Meanwhile, in most instances, they are either at the start of validation point or only at the growth, pre-growth phase. You know, um, the other thing is most entrepreneurs are building a job for themselves and not a business. Therefore, even when they tell you I'm an entrepreneur, all they mean is I have found a way to survive. You know, it's not really that they are building a business. Um, and the third reason that I want to explain today or that I find very key in my observation in Nigeria is the fact that a lot of people scale their businesses prematurely and premature business scaling can take different shapes and forms. I will explain a few of those things that I've mentioned. The first is the early celebrations. If you look at this picture, um, let me even give you a minute to look at it. Look at this picture, and I want you to chat what you see in this picture. Just take a minute to study the picture and just chat. For those of you who can chat, just chat what you see in this picture. No. Um, I need to be able to see, oh, sorry. I need to be able to see what you're chatting. So let me do this. Um, okay. Okay, so. I haven't seen any chats coming. Nobody has seen anything. Am I alone? Okay, let me see what you are saying. Uh, from the picture is some set of entrepreneurs business dying when it matters most. Um, thank you, Kennedy. And then uh, moving up the ladder with celebration mindset only to fall and struggle again. Yes, Michael. And then <laughs> champagne pop in Lola uh, before business breakthrough, yes. And uh, Kocha, he hasn't gotten to his destination, but he has started spending on celebration. This is exactly what I'm trying to talk about. And um, thank you for your feedback on the picture. Um, when you look at this picture, um, we can easily, um, laugh at these entrepreneurs here. But this is actually what I mean by early celebrations. A lot of businesses that I've seen in Nigeria um, start small. And as soon as they get to the start of validation point where they have found something that works and people are already interested in buying it, they start celebrating, you know. Um, 
they start going around and calling themselves entrepreneurs by excellence. You see us joining them because they have this little recognition. We start inviting them for all sorts of programs. The founder be becomes very busy uh, chasing limelight rather than preparing himself or his organization for growth, you know? And so when they get to the point where they are supposed to start growing, you find out that they start dying, okay? And, and this I have seen so many times, and um, I'm sure some of you have seen. If you look around keenly at the businesses around us, you see some businesses come up with a lot of pomp and pageantry and, and, and disappear, you know, quietly, you know? You just wake up one day and, and you don't see them again. In fact, sometimes you need someone to remind you that, ah, where, what has happened to this company? You know, they used to be there, they used to be big but they have disappeared. Entrepreneurs need to realize that business is about going long. You need to preserve and reserve the energy for going the distance. Otherwise, you will not grow. Your business will either stagnate. In fact, in some cases, some businesses get to the startup summit and they just remain there. They don't even make the effort to grow. You know, um, this is, there's a reason for that also. The second reason I find very common is that people build a job for themselves and not a business. And this is what we call the self-employment trap uh, in which, because you don't have a job, you start a business. And once you start a business and you start getting an income, you remain there. You don't move the business beyond there and you don't see any reason to move it beyond there. And um, sometimes you need to ask these questions to know whether you are building a job for yourself or building a business. Uh, does your business require you to oversee every detail? If the answer is yes, then it means you are building a job for yourself. Does your business require you to drive your team for results? If you're not there, nobody will work. Once you're there, they start doing eye service. You know, uh, if you're not there, everybody goes and sits down and mis misbehaves to customers and things like that. Um, that means you're building a job for yourself, okay? You need to be able to build your team in such a way that they can deliver results whether you're there or not. Um, if you are afraid of losing control uh, or your businesses rely upon you, then you are building a job for yourself and not a business. Your business should not rely too much on you and you shouldn't be concerned about giving control to other people because that is in reality how you grow your business if you don't trust anyone else in your organization i know nigerians will tell me oh if you give them the keys to this they will steal if you give them the control they will steal your idea and go and do it and things like that that's another challenge that you need to find a different solution to however for your business to grow you need to be able to build an organization that relies on everybody in the organization and not only on you, okay? Um, if you feel like your business owns you, this is the fourth reason why uh, you should know that you're building a job. And I've seen a lot of people like that, you know, they are doing everything to remain afloat. However, the reality is you will get tired, you will get sick, and you will travel, you know, and, and, and what happens is once these things happen, then your business stops until you get back. 
and this cannot continue. And because you don't want to stop, you remain in the business and you cannot do any other thing. You know, every time uh, there's a need to move away from your business, you feel like if I move away, I'll lose money. I need to stay so that the business will make money. The business now owns you. Um, <clears throat> the last thing I want to say about this area of business growth is premature scaling. And you can look at this picture again and tell me what you see. Um, in most cases, a lot of entrepreneurs um, put a heavy load on a small, uh, 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 let's say, structure. Your business has not grown. You do not have employees. You do not have everything. However, you bring in a lot of uh, services or you try to get a lot of and the way this happens in most instances is when you go um, to tv stations and advertise you go to social media and advertise and then people start ordering and then you realize that you do not have the capacity to meet the demand that is is is, is being required you know and so you start failing People will call and say, can you supply us with this? I have a good example I can share, but because of time, um, sometimes you are very ambitious. Therefore, you have like a poultry farm that has 10 chickens or 100 chickens, and you go to a hotel like Nikon or Sheraton, and you tell the procurement people that I can supply you chicken. And they say, okay, I mean, let's try you and see. And they ask you to supply, let's say, um, one ton of broiler chicken. <laughs> you do your math and you realize that one ton will require nothing less than 1,000 or 10,000 chickens. You know, and you only have 100 and you start running helter skelter. What has happened is you have scaled your marketing, you know, when your capacity is still very little. In some instances, it happens in the reverse. What you see is a business that doesn't have a single customer. However, when they are starting out, they open a shop that can supply the whole of Nigeria. And what that means is that you probably will spend the next one year or three years or four years trying to sell all the things that you have kept in the shop and not find any customer for it. I've seen that happen. It's not, it's not a joke. Some people start their businesses by renting a shop, putting a signboard, buying supplies and putting them on the shelves. And calling for a, an O1B to celebrate that they are opening shop. And two weeks, three weeks, six months, one year after, you see probably only five customers have gone into the shop. That's premature scaling. It means that you have grown the capacity of your stock, I mean, before you have even had one customer. You know, premature scaling can happen in different ways. Um, but this is what you need to understand, that premature scaling is like going, I mean, scaling is like going from one person running one business like this to several people flying an aeroplane like this. This is what scaling is all about. Okay, if you want to scale right, you need to understand what is right. Because this solopreneur, if he had gone into an aircraft this big and said, I want to start here because I have big ambition, 
okay? He will not learn anything about his business. He will not learn anything about aerodynamics. Instead, he will just learn how to crash, you know? Um, but to be able to scale your business in the proper way, you need to understand that you are moving from a one-man aircraft that doesn't need a runway, that doesn't need probably too much foil or whatever, to something like this. And if you look at the screen here, what you see is the many dials on the dashboard, some on the roof of the, 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 the aircraft. You know, you know the, there's no enough space for all the gadgets in, in the aircraft. And how do you really expect one person to pay attention to all this? This is the question that scaling uh, uh, deals with moving from something as simple as this to something as complicated as this. If you're moving from 10 customers to 100 customers, this is what it will look like. If you're moving from 100 customers to 1000 customers, this is what it will look like. You know, you're moving from being able to control something alone to being able and uh, to, to, to needing a lot of help from other people to be able to, to run uh, your, your, your business. And this also requires you to understand that everything has to happen within the context of the supporting ecosystem. You cannot run an airline alone. You need the supporting ecosystem. You need uh, airport terminals. You need runways in different cities. You need uh, catering services in different cities. You need cleaning services in different cities. And Everybody is going to have to be responsible for that, you know, uh, for, their, for their services they render. You cannot do everything. Imagine you getting off your aircraft, offloading everybody's back, moving them into the terminal, whatever. If you don't have a terminal, you know, if you have your own terminal, that is going back to clean the aircraft. And this is what I was talking about when I talked about moving from the role of a founder to a CEO. You know, you need to be able to understand that moving from one uh, uh, entrepreneur to moving to an organization will require that everybody will play his role and within the supporting ecosystem. So finally today, um, I have just about five minutes, so I will need to rush through this. How do you move your business to this point where you're controlling all this and how do you manage all this? Now, every gadget you see on that screen is important all the time, okay? If any of those things is blinking or is reading something, it means something is wrong somewhere, okay? The question is, what would this pilot need to focus on, you know, to be able to ensure that they get to their destination safely? This is the question every entrepreneur needs to ask himself when you're growing your business. How do you know the right thing to focus on? At Itinia, we use this framework called the growth wheel to help you do that. And the growth wheel has four areas that every entrepreneur takes decisions in on a day-to-day -day basis. You have the business concept, and there are five uh, different issues to deal with under the business concept, from business idea to market position. And then you also have the customer relations. And here also, there are five things you need to deal with from networking, marketing to branding. 
And then the organization itself, ownership and board, employees, partnership, business processes, legal issues. And then you have operations where you deal with financials, funding, production, deliveries, IT systems, and facilities. Now, all of these 20 different areas um, are, are important, okay? However, how do you keep track of all of this? And this is where we have growth will as a framework. And it is a checklist and it is in a circular form and it is color coded so that you know which area you are dealing with. And we give entrepreneurs this so that every day you look at each, each of this and you screen which area needs immediate attention, okay? And, and the concept is simple. There are many decisions and actions to work on, but how do you prioritize what is important at any point in time? This is our role to help you prioritize what is important for your business, to help you take decisions, uh, I mean, make decisions and to help you take actions that will help you um, to, to, to really um, uh, carry out these this actions. And every session you have with a business advisor or a facilitator will end up with the output where you go away with one, uh, you go away with one decision that you need to make or one action that you need to take in order to grow your business. So growth wheel is essentially a visual uh, checklist that gives you a 360 perspective on your business all the time. And it helps you to get focused on where to make decisions and to take action. Um, this will help businesses that are at the growth phase or have already grown to constantly look at each area and say, okay, we need to work here to, to ensure that our business will grow. Um, that's the end of my presentation for today. And um, as I said before, time will not permit me to talk about everything. However, our goal here was to just whet your appetite and to, to, to help you see that you can actually um, find a lot of help with growing your business if you want to. Um, and you can also create value for your customers if you do the right things. If you want to grow, there are certain things that you must be doing. Uh, if you have any questions, you can chat them in. If you have any comments, you can chat them in. Um, but at this point, my presentation has come to an end. Um, thank you all for some of you uh, logged in long before nine o'clock. Thank you for doing that. Uh, at the senior time, is of the essence and we usually try to keep time on everything we do. So um, what is the duration of this insightful training and is it a certificate course? Yes, you get a certificate for being part of the NISAL training. Um, but if you want to get a diploma in startup, you have to come to Itsinia. If you want to get uh, uh, more help, uh, to grow your business, you have to come to Itsinia. Uh, we offer coaching services. We offer advisory services. We offer regular personalized mentoring and coaching services. We have an entrepreneurship hub somewhere in uh, Garki. For those of you who are in Abuja, you can visit us anytime and you'll have your questions answered there. 
Um, yes, uh, Michael, that's true. Um, you don't spend your business money. And if you have it, the right structures in place, then all your business money goes into the business account and you pay yourself salary as everyone else. That way you don't spend your business money. We don't have an office in Ogun State, but we can work virtually online and uh, we can reach any part of the world. Um, the way I'm reaching you here, um, we can talk anytime you want to talk. Yes, someone is talking. Uh, by the way, the session has come to an end. If you need to go, feel free to go. But if you have a question, I can be here for a few minutes to answer those questions. Okay, sir. Thank you very much. Um, I want to appreciate you for the training and also use the opportunity to also thank you for uh, the COVID that has happened. The, the pandemic has really brought out so many positivities. You can imagine us having a, a training of this nature from 9 o'clock to 11, saving a lot of costs. Exactly. Uh, 